Hello, everyone, and welcome to your new favorite podcast, hosted by two guys that you never heard of. I'm Marcus. This is Brandon. And each week, we talk about the topics that we want to discuss, and why is that? Simply put, it's our podcast and not yours. So, <laughs> that's a polite way of saying it. How are you doing, Brandon? Are you having a good day? Yeah. Yeah, great day. Great day, man. Right off the bat, we got some new equipment this week. Uh, last week, I sounded a little, uh, as we would call in the radio business, a little tinny. It sounded like I was plugging my nose. I sounded like Ray Romano with a head cold. So we've got some better gear this week. This was courtesy of a very good friend of mine, Pittsburgh-based musician. i give him a little shout-out, Steve Thompson, musician, songwriter. He hooked me up with a, a USB interface, so I got a cool professional microphone this week. So hopefully it sounds a lot better. Check Steve Thompson out on multiple platforms. Sees it's stevethompson.net. The new album, Bystanders, on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, you name it. Steve is the man. I've had a uh, pleasure of playing the drums with Steve. Uh, I, I, geez, I guess about eh, 12, 15 years ago, I guess it was uh, uh, around there. I played on an album uh, of Steve's called Illusions to a God. That was me on the drums. So uh, yeah, check that out. Steve's the man. Yeah, thank you very much, Steve. Uh, we appreciate it. So what do we got going on? We got, uh, we got kids going back to school this week. Kids going back to school. Some, some kids already went back to school. I do know that other states have already sent kids back to school and then like they shut back down again. So if anyone doesn't know, Brandon is an awesome dad. Uh, what's it like being a dad? Boy, from, I mean, I didn't get married until I was, well, I was uh, 30, whatever, 37 now. I've uh, got a two-year-old. So, I mean, I, I didn't even meet my wife until I was 29. So in many ways, someone who's older like that, quote unquote older, I, middle ages, I would have been dead by 25 or whatever. So I'm on borrowed time now. But, you know, you're kind of set in your ways, a little difficult to adapt to having somebody else in your life because you have to, you're so set in your ways and you got to, you know, adapt to their ways. But being a dad's awesome, man. Makes me feel like, uh, you know... <laughs> I, I, age is just a number. Makes you feel much younger. He keeps you on your toes. And Let me ask you a question. Does he say what he wants to be when he grows up yet? Uh, yeah, but it's, it's all kind of out there. We'll, we'll drive past a fire truck and, oh, isn't that cool? And, you know, is that what you want to be when you grow up? And, yeah, I, I can talk him into anything at this point. So that's another fun part of parenting. See. For those who don't know, I am not a father, possibly one day, but not yet. But uh, what I'm getting at here is I think I'm going to be a little bit different of a father. Uh, for example, I know my kid's going to come to me and he's going to say, you know, dad, I want to be an astronaut one day. Dad, I want to be president. And I'm going to shoot down his expectations really fast. I'm going to say, hey, son, I think we need to aim for something a little bit better. I mean, we're only one person can be president. Not everybody can go to the moon. How about an accountant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Destroy his dreams right from the beginning. You're, you're saying practicality. <laughs> that has its own charm. Is that what your parents did to you? Is that how you wound up doing a podcast with me? All roads bring me here. <laughs> and, and, and thank God for him. Marcus isn't a dad uh, that he knows of. But it is possible that you fathered a child. 
You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just shooting in the dark here, but I think there's a chance. I plead the fifth. Hey, all right. Let's, let, let's leave it at that. But boy, what a difficult time to be a kid uh, in, in many ways. You've got this crazy virus madness. You've got kids growing up uh, on a screen. Um, you know, he's going to think this is, this is normal. This is the way things are done. You don't talk to people. Uh, you know, all social interactions come from a screen, you know, and uh, I hate to think that our sense of community and our sense of connection with one another has really been diminished now. There is no corner family owned shop anymore. Now you just go to Walmart's the corner store now. <laughs> well, I, I think that, you know, for the schools that are going back uh, that are currently in the in-classroom setting, I wonder how hard of a time they are having to try to get these kids to keep these masks on. Cause I don't know if you remember what it's like to be, you know, that age, but I'm sure there's a lot of jokes. I'm sure it's on top of their head under their chin on their ear, you know, pretty much any place you're going to put it. I can't see these kids keeping them on anywhere, but where they should be. Now, I mean, you think back to, Hey, if I was going to be a kid going back to elementary school now, think of the kids that I went to elementary school with, think of myself at that age, would I've taken this seriously. No, and especially because I mean, if you were a school board director right now, you know, and people are coming to you with, with these questions. I don't know if they're going to have a very easy time answering them. Like, would you want to put these kids in school? You know, their like, likelihood of, of getting sick from it is much lower. If you were a school director right now, do you see any problems with the, the kids being in the classroom setting? Boy, I, that, that's one of those golden questions, you know. And, and what I do like to see, though, that we're doing now in society is we're saying that man, I can't answer those questions. And you know what? I wouldn't want to be a school director right now, but you know what? I have the utmost respect for them. And I, I do like that we're seeing that now, that we can be, even if you think the whole virus is BS, and there's a lot of reasons to think it is, a lot of reasons to think it's not. We can debate that to no end. But I, I do like the fact that we are seeing, hey, look, whether I'm eh, like believe in the virus or not, I still respect the fact that, hey, look, it's hard to be a teacher and God knows I wouldn't want to be a superintendent right now because can I answer that? I mean, who knows? You know, that's a tough question. What is the huge deal about having classes on, on the computer? I mean, a lot of adults do it. There's a center up in a town that's nearby where I know two people that, that teach there and that's complete online schooling. And that was before the whole Corona thing. I mean, 90% of these kids days are spent on their phones anyway. What's another screen? Wait, one thing. Well, I mean, obviously social interaction, I, I understand that. But one thing you think that somebody recently told me that it just kind of hit me in the head is like, hey, there are no more, there are going to be no more snow days now. Because now when there's a snow day, you're just going to do online classes from home. So a snow day is a thing of the past. God loves snow days. I didn't even think of that. That was the best thing in the world, having a snow day. Yeah. I did nothing on snow days. Growing up in the 80s or late, you know, in 90s, I played video games all day. What, what do you think I did? I did anything but study. I can tell you that right now. I was always up there hustling during snow days because snow days, the me meant big money. Mm. All, all these people needed their cars shoveled out to go to work and they didn't want to do it. Well, good old, good old little Marcus will come around with a shovel and he'll take care of you. It's going to cost you. Might cost you a little, might cost you a lot, but it's going to cost you. <laughs>
<laughs> you sound like the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, famed pro wrestler. That looks because I have no idea who that is. You don't know who that is? Which, which... Have you ever watched professional wrestling in your life? I did watch professional wrestling, but my professional wrestling was Mankind, The Rock, Stone Cold. The Hulk Hogan wasn't even a wrestler when I was watching wrestling. When was this? I was suck. like late 90s. How do you say that they suck? The Rock is on everything now. Not one person in the world doesn't know who The Rock is. I know who The Rock is. What I'm saying is if, if you go to another country and you show pi- pictures of Hulk Hogan and pictures of The Rock, who's going to get recognized more? I think Hulk Hogan's definitely more recognizable than The Rock. He has, I mean, he's got the mustache. Who else do you know has a mustache like that? Tom Selleck. Uh, that is a nice mustache. <laughs> See, uh, insider, insider tip here, uh, ladies, whoever's listening, f- sometimes men try to grow facial hair and there are little patches that don't grow in properly. Little fashion secret here. No one tells you this stuff when you're going through puberty. I have a little spot on my right you know, mouth here that doesn't grow in properly. It never did. So anytime I grow a goatee, it never looks right. I'm the complete opposite. I can grow facial hair from about the center of my nose down. Hmm. When I go full beard, I mean business. Well, full beard uh, is in style. Full beard is very much in style. Do you know what else is good? PSA to all the guys listening out there. A full beard does really good to hide a double chin. When you're as fat as I am, I just rock the full beard. I, I love having facial hair because of that. Because without facial hair, I just look all neck. Mm-hmm. It just disappears. But with facial hair, George Clooney. Mm-hmm. I see. I'll do the occasional beard. I'll do the, I'll do the winter beard, you know, but I'm not uh, Doc Dynasty, well, you know, hillbilly or whatever. But hey, that's a cool look. If that's for you, that's cool. But professional wrestling, man. Did, did you see the resurrection of Jake the Snake? I vaguely know who Jake the Snake is. Very vaguely. I'm not that much older than you. We grew up in the same era. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I was born late 80s. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so when I'm starting to, to soak in all the information from pro- professional wrestling, that era was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing I remember, earliest wrestler I can remember is the Ultimate Warrior. Okay, that's respectable. He's a classic. Now, are, are, you, are you a millennial? Technically, yes. So am I. Yeah, so am I. Born in 83 would be a millennial. But I, think, I think the problem with that is, I don't know if there's a clear definition because everywhere I see the age groups where, where millennial and Gen X and everything starts, it's always different. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember uh, one time I had a, a little meeting with um, a lady in the FBI that, that tracks down people. And she showed us this big age group bar that had them listed. And they had millennials going to people that were, you know, 39, 40. Mm-hmm. And you look at other people, and it's it's. I'm not a millennial. I'm not in the age bracket that they have, but and there's I am. Hmm. That's interesting. Now that I'm talking about the FBI on a podcast, I'm definitely getting looked into. Why? Why were you talking to a woman from the FBI? It was what that. I know about you. Is that your real name? Everything. Hmm. I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> right. No, it was, uh, she was just a speaker at a conference when she was talking about, you know, uh, millennials and 
the dangers of iPhones. <laughs> the perils of the iPhone. Yeah, because it turns out that the iPhones, if you have the, the fitness app on there, even if you've never signed up for the fitness app, it's still tracking every step that you take. Ah. Everyone. Up until a couple of years ago, there was a website called Geolocation. And what Geolocation was is if your privacy was not blocked on your phone, you could put their Twitter handle in. It doesn't matter who it is. If they don't have their privacy on for their location, you could put the handle into this website and it will tell you down to the exact house where you tweeted from, which is scary. There's a lot of creeps in the world. And not only that, but it would show you a map, you know, of where you're at or anywhere you could search. And it will show you active tweets as they're coming out from the places on the map. Now, the website isn't up anymore, but for a while it was. Now, that's scary. That's very scary. I mean, people on, people on Facebook think that you put on there in a post that you don't agree with, with Facebook tra- tracking you and that you're not giving your permission. That post doesn't do anything. That post means absolutely trash. Yeah, pretty much. How scary is that? Uh, as a dad, you know, you have your children growing up in the technology age where I'm sure there's other sites exist that do the same thing where you can actively see where someone's tweeting from. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. It's frightening. And the question is, where, where is that all going? Um, what's the next step with that? This surveillance generation, this idea of everything you do being tracked, being watched, being compiled. What's, what's the data being used for? What's the next step? If, if someone can watch where you go and what you do, one more little uh, advancement, they can stop you from doing it. They can stop you from going somewhere. See, the problem is, is that you have these apps on your phone that, that kids just run through and they install permission, 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 and they just accept everything without knowing what it actually does. There's so many apps out there that when you install it, you agree to share your photos, you agree to share your camera, you know, that's why TikTok is, is in the process of being banned just because of the, the security problems. Even, even Zoom, what you're using right now, there were instances where people were hacking in and showing up on your Zoom. And watching you secretly. Were you aware of that? I, I've, I've, I have heard of that. I, I've heard of that being more popular now because of all the, the meetings that are taking place because of the virus online uh, people, uh, you know, Zoom crashing uh, these meetings and whatnot and collecting data, watching you, whatever the case may be. I think of the implications of the future of that, you know, again, tracking you, where you go, what you do, and what's the next move? Again, is is it saying, you can't go here. You haven't done whatever. You haven't agreed to whatever terms. I mean, God knows what I've agreed to. Do you read those things? I don't read those things. I hit, I agree. Nobody it's a mile long. It's, it's legalese. You can't read any of it. It makes no sense to anybody who's not a, a, a lawyer. You hit, I agree. You move on. God knows what I've agreed to. But in the future, I, I've heard that there's going to be, I've read a recent article about this, just saying about how 
there's less and less reliance on gasoline vehicles. And the coming thing is going to be electric vehicles. Why? Because we're talking about the self-driving cars. So even driving is going to be obsolete soon enough. So cars like a giant, you know, it's the smart car. You plug in where you're going. So talk about being tracked. Everywhere you go is being tracked. And again, if you don't do the right thing, say the right thing, whatever, they can just turn you off and say, you know what? No, you're not going. Cars, cars banned from going here. Could that be good? Uh, sure, we could think positive. You could keep an alcohol from going to a bar, right? You think of the Tesla and how, you know, all the self-driving cars, it's not going to be long before everything's just, you know, you don't even need a driver's license anymore. Mm-hmm. Back to what we were saying about, um, you know, people coming in on your, on your Zoom call. Have you ever heard of Momo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically this creepy looking creature was showing up on an app for kids and trying to convince them to harm themselves or their parents. And I'll be honest, Momo scares the absolute shit out of me. Mm-hmm. If, she, if, she, uh, if she popped up here right now, I'd probably just run out and set my apartment on fire. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Momo? I've seen pictures online, but Momo has never popped up to me. That's more than some uh, fake urban legend. That that's 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 happened. But the thing is, is what that's kind happened. of what kind of sick and twisted individual decides to do that? Well, everything today, that's somebody choice A with somebody with sick some sick agenda. Choice B, someone just doing that for fun. We've talked about that before as well. That that you're a different human being behind the screen, and you're a different human being be in in the car. You'll flip people off. You'll beep and go nuts and road rage. Then you see the person in the gas station five minutes later, and you hold the door for him. Two minutes earlier, you know you're flipping him the bird, waving a gun at him like a crazy person. So situational anger like that, and this this disassociation of who you are, and this dehumanization of somebody just because they're you see them as a you know, as a vehicle or a driver vehicle instead of a, a mother or a father or someone who's late for an appointment, as we've all been a thousand times. I think that goes back to just the narcissism that, that's involved today and no one caring about their neighbor. You know, it's all about, I need to get to where I'm going. You know, fuck you, fuck your teenage driver, fuck your kids in the backseat. It means nothing to me. I need to get where I'm going. And if you cut me off, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you and then smash your windshield in with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. just on principle i just want to know where's your head at when you're doing that stuff just on principle is, is there you know when you have the coming up of electronics and it's all about getting followers and it's all about my page and it's all about what i'm doing are you seeing a new form of mental illness arising because of that oh sure you are yeah sure you are if you look at the statistics anywhere that tv appears in the world there's an ancient tribe somewhere in the jungle. They get electricity. They get the TV. Within a matter of years, their murder rate drastically increases. Proven fact. Someone to look up about this is Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. The website killology.com. He has a new book, um, several great books on killing on combat. Uh, he has Assassination Generation. That's uh now out, but it talks about media violence, the link between media violence and school violence, 
very scary stuff. And you said, why does somebody smash your car window out with a baseball bat? Well, that's what they did on Grand Theft Auto V. They've done it a thousand times. They're just doing what they've done before. You cut somebody off, it's violence. They've been training at that for years. So real life happens. What do they do? What they've been trained to do? Act out violently. I mean, yes, but I wouldn't correlate that singly to video games. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that, uh, that people learn from movies. And I mean, just because a kid goes and, and shoots up a school doesn't mean he's been playing too much Call of Duty. Well, there, there's a lot to unpack with that. That could be a show in itself. That should be a show in itself. But the idea of video games today, a kid playing a video game over and over and over again with a human silhouette target popping up, them engaging their right trigger finger to, to engage the target and to neutralize it, and then for them to go into a school and do the exact same thing. Dave Grossman calls video games murder simulators. So what do we do with new Marine Corps recruits, Army recruits? What's a part of their basic training? Shooting silhouette targets. Of course. I will go ahead and uh, politely disagree. Uh, I grew up playing horror games. I, I grew up stuck in my room. Uh, 90% of the time I was playing video games. I mean, but I've never gotten the urge to, to go out and shoot someone. I mean, there's, I mean, look at today's world. Millions and millions of kids are playing video games. There's not millions and millions of kids going and shooting up schools. Right. But there's still a lot more than there used to be. A hell of a lot more than there used to be. And it's a global problem too. It's not just the U.S. And so what drives a kid to do that? You got good old sleep deprivation. That's a huge part of it. You got bullying now. More intensive bullying that's ever happened before. And the big thing to remember is this, the soldier who's going to war, he's being trained with discipline. So if he shoots one round in basic training, or you shoot somewhere else besides the target, or you shoot after the drill sergeant blows the whistle, what happens to you? Really bad things, right? Chewed out, push-ups. You're not going to do that again. But in the land of video games, Grand Theft Auto V, you're this rogue agent. The more you go nuts, the more you go off the beaten path just to blow things up and kill people virtually, the more points you get, the more rewarded you are. So there's no discipline with video games. You're teaching someone how to kill with no safety. That's the scary part. Yes and no. I mean, when it comes to video games, I mean, that, that's just, you know, the, the shooting is just a singular aspect. You know, you don't see new teenage drivers that are they're just getting a driver's license and all of a sudden uh, they're trying to hit 150 on the highway because they just did so in their, their Audi on the video game or their Porsche. You, know, you don't see that. Maybe the problem is, is that the parents just, well, number one, they have ratings on the game for a reason. But I mean, are, would you hold parents accountable to buying and allowing access for those games for their children? I mean, if we're blaming video games, you know, you're taking video games and saying like, this is the reason why the kids shut up the school or not the reason, but, but their, their motive on why they, they shut up the school because they're being bullied and they want to do what they do on the video game. But if that's the case, I mean, do you have to charge the parents with, with murder as an accomplice? I mean, because if you're, if you're a bartender and you oversee your customer and your customer goes and gets in the car, because if you're visibly intoxicated, they're supposed to stop serving you. If you keep mm -hmm. on allowing them to give the drinks and they get in the car and they go and kill somebody and they find out that they were at your bar and that you were over serving them, you can get charged. 
So is the parents going to get charged for one, allowing their kids to play those kind of games, you know, before they're mentally, mentally able to make a separation between the two, uh, that and having a gun that's then accessible to them, you know, cause you should be a responsible gun owner and have your, if you have kids in the house, have that thing locked up to a place where they can't get to them. Would you then charge the parents if he goes to the school and, and, you know, shoots 10 kids and injures five of them, are you going to try to get them on 15 counts of murder of the parents? Well, of course, uh, today, right? Everyone is, no one's responsible for anything. As we know from uh, the president on down, right? No one's responsible for anything. Everyone's a victim and everyone's a victim of circumstance and misunderstood. And the lawyer speaks for everyone as does the giant corporation. So should you blame the parents? Should parents be accountable for their kids? Of course. Are they, are, are they ever? I'm making a broad statement. Here. <laughs> oftentimes, no. You know, oftentimes, no. You put the kid in front of the TV. You say, here you go. And you can put a rating on a game. Even years ago, when you and I grew up, because you had to go to the store to buy the game. You got to buy the CD, the cartridge. I mean, now, for God's sake, the video games are online. The pornography is online. You still have to get your parents' credit card, which has age verification on it. So again, back to the responsibility of the parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those things should be monitored. Obviously, kids shouldn't be playing those games if they're underage. I'd say kids shouldn't play those games unless you're under you know, 30. You're old enough to differentiate reality from fantasy. Do the kids have access to weapons? How are they getting weapons? That's a, that's a scary thought. If we look at the murder rate versus medical technology, you know, you could look at things and say the murder rate is going down. That's one way to look at it. But you look at the, the instances of people trying to kill each other, you know, or, or way up. The only thing keeping the murder rate down is medical technology. If we had the same medical technology we had in 1965, the murder rate would be through the roof. So a kid can't access a gun, but who knows what he can access? knife or a pair of scissors or whatever, you know, still sleep deprived, filled with violent imagery. And it's not just video games. It's the media. It's TV. It's, it's we glorify violence in this society. Football. What, what is football? Football's not ballet. It's violence. Yeah, I understand what you're saying um, completely. Back to me, at least in my mind, there is something that a person needs in order to be a killer. Right, because I know plenty of people who grew up playing violent video games. Should I play them back then? Probably not. Do I do I see a huge deal in it? Not so much. But again, would I allow my kids to be playing that? No. Would I if they make tools, you know, on your Xbox, on your PlayStation, where you could have a a parent account on the console that has a password that you can go in and say, the kids only allowed to play it for this many hours. After this time, it's off. They have those available. So is it back on the parents? But again, what I'm trying to get at is I still think mentally it takes someone to be a killer. Because I wasn't a killer. I did those things, but that's me. You know, a lot of my friends growing up, we all played the same games. None of them turns out, turned out to be killers. Mm-hmm. So is it – I mean, you can mix it with that and also – Growing up in a bad home where your parents aren't monitoring what you're doing, going to school, getting bullied, 
you know, because you're the dirty kid in school and kids are ruthless. You know, kids are absolutely ruthless. So is it a combination of things plus some sort of mental illness that makes them want to go out and do that? But again, shouldn't the parents be held responsible because they have all those tools that are necessary to control it. I mean, you could even set restrictions on games by, you know, maturity level. If you just don't go out and do that, you don't lock up your gun safe. You don't monitor how long your kid's playing and he's, and he's playing till four o'clock in the morning when he has to get up at six. If you're doing that whole combination of that, is the kid really at fault? Well, uh, cut and dried, you, you would say that anything that happens to any kid under the age of 18, eh, you're not an adult yet, so who's responsible for you? Parental legal guardian. But, but kids who were tried under, under the age of 18 for murder, um, their parents aren't up on the stand. Mm-hmm. You know, so does it become a point of where you need to, to, to get the kid help? You know, obviously you need to get the kid help. But I mean, the parents have no repercussions to let their kids, you know, playing these games and putting these ideas in their head. It's a slippery slope. You know, I don't even know where I, where I stand on 100%. But what I'm just saying is, is how much are we just dumping onto, you know, dumping onto the, to the kid. And I think that uh, the parents should be included in that. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. And the parents can be held accountable you also got to hold the makers of the games accountable as well. I mean, they, these, these games are, the video game industry is huge, billion dollar industry, billions of dollar industry. They have lobbyists just like anybody else. Yes, Sweeping but things under the rug, saying this doesn't hurt kids, eh, saying it's perfectly acceptable. Um, you know, at what age is it acceptable? I mean, I got a two-year-old. At what point, and ask yourself this as well, at what point am I going to let him play a first-person shooter that enables him to shoot another human being with a gun? When is he ready for that? According to the box here, they have one right in front of me. Ah, uh, please. A mature rating on a game. You know, this is an older game. I just grabbed as the first thing on my shelf of Dead Island. This is the first thing. It says mature, 17 plus, blood and gore, you know, drug references, all that stuff. Are you going to, uh, are the video game publishers at fault? I mean, they're telling you, you shouldn't be playing this unless you're above 17. Mm-hmm. There's tools put into place to get parents to be able to block those games out, but they don't. Because mm-hmm. it requires a little bit of effort. Well, that's, that's the same uh, legalese that's on a pack of cigarettes. You know, and, and True. How, 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 how are... I mean, even alcohol. Okay. Drink in moderation. Have one drink. All right. I had one drink. I'm done. True. But in order to get cigarettes, you have to be 18 to purchase them. In order to get alcohol, you have to be 21. You know, they're saying if you go in, I mean, I know there's not very many game stores around anymore, but if you go into a game store in order to purchase that game, you have to be over 17. If you're at home and using your parents' credit card, you know, they should know enough to be able to put that card on the account to make a purchase for a game and then take it off. Cause you could do that. Mm-hmm. But is that, a, that's a societal problem. Busy parents, broken you know, homes, right? Divorce being the norm, unsupervised kids. These are the consequences of that.
But speaking of broken homes, I mean, video games also offer an escape for kids. You know, if you're at home and your parents are abusive and you have no friends at school, being able to go home and hop on World of Warcraft with, with friends that live all around the world, where you could talk to them about their day and get some sort of social interaction where you're just not being bullied, is that not you know, beneficial to them? Should we, should we take that off the table just because of, of school shootings? No, no. But, but I, I, I would say there is a world of difference between Minecraft and, and blowing somebody's brains out on Call of Duty. Why do we need to get together and celebrate violence? And that's, that's a cultural thing. Why do we all sit together on Sunday and watch football? Why isn't it ballet? Why isn't it an orchestra? Why isn't it tennis? Tennis isn't a violent sport. Baseball is not a violent sport. But football, they're gladiators. We glorify these, these athletes and pay them millions of dollars just to see them beat each other up. I mean, isn't football nothing but a war simulator? You have your team or your country. You know, there's no weapons involved. But it's all about overpowering and outsmarting the opposite side. Right, and by, by means of physical aggression, by means of violence. So does that mean our kids shouldn't be playing football? Well, I, I, would, I would argue to say that uh, <laughs> you look at the concussion rates of kids, what concussions do to kids mentally, physical injuries, kids blowing their knees out in 10th grade, 12th grade, because they were used as a cash cow by the high school. They were recruited by the high school injured, worked like a, like a dog, be, beyond the point of concussion, beyond the point of injury, used up, you know, rode hard, put away wet, sent out to, uh, out to college, played four more years of college with pre-existing injuries, blown out knees, ankles, uh, concussions, you name it. Kid graduates college, you know, you're 20 whatever years old, 21, 22 years old or whatever, your body's basically shot, you've got chronic pain at that point, chronic traumatic brain injuries, by definition, traumatic brain injuries. So what's the first thing these, these people turn to? You're in chronic pain at 22. What are you going to do? You're taking opiates. Exactly. You know, just tying that in with our original point here, when, you, when these kids are signing up for peewee football and um, it's the parents signing them up, right? Mm -hmm. So the kid's getting CTE. Is that, you know, the parent's fault? Because they know when, you, when you're a kid, when you're playing peewee football, you don't know what CTE is going to do to you you know, broken bones. Like you, you don't think about that as playing kids. You just want to get out there and have fun with your friends, but the parents know that's part of the risk. So, you know, parental accountability, parental accountability. Right. And I mean, let's be honest. I'm sure I would. I, I let me ask you the same question. If you say to me, you know what, you're going to be a professional athlete. You're going to have problems down the road from all the concussions you're going to get and your body's going to hurt but you're going to live a healthy life, you know, until you're at least be able to get around until you're 50. No, but we're going to, we're going to sign you to a, you know, five year, $150 million contract, you know, something that your family, you know, generations down the line. I mean, look at uh, Patrick Roma Holmes. He just bought part of the Kansas city Royals, right? You can't tell me his family is going to be hurting for a long time. So do you accept that risk as a, as a parent, as an athlete, do you accept that risk in order to play? Boy, I mean, if you're, if you're going to put your kid through the rigors of, uh, 
of contact sports in high school, just getting out and, and buying you a new Cadillac at the end of it all, what, what are the odds of the kid that's, that's going to actually become a professional athlete? And unfortunately, there are parents out there that have a kid in third grade, and they think that he doesn't need to do his homework or study hard because he's going to be a professional athlete. And they've got this made up in their mind already. And so they push him. The odds of this happening are <laughs> zero to zero. It ain't going to happen. Let's be an accountant. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's be something practical. So any parents listening? Uh, yeah, right. Be practical about this. And I would say, absolutely follow your dreams. Work as hard as you can. If you can get a college scholarship, have at it. But you're going to college. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. When it comes to college, should collegiate athletes, you know, especially football, should they be getting paid from the wear and tear that they put on their bodies, from the school's profit, you know, off of their likeness, whether it's video games? I mean, they don't have their, their jersey. They don't even have their names on their jersey. Some places, I don't know if a lot of places, I don't follow football that extensively. But, you know, from my brief time at Penn State, they didn't have the names on the back of the jerseys. Should they be getting paid? I mean, because not all of them are making it. And the school's making a boatload of money off of them, right? Now you say, yes, they're getting a full-ride scholarship, but when you're a professional athlete, you know, making millions of dollars, I mean, what's the league minimum, $300,000, right? When, when you are getting paid, you know, just with your education, is that enough or should they get paid more? The college is obviously making a lot of money from their name. And the league minimum being three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's that that to me is is sickening because that's like the career maximum for a doctor. <laughs> and that's that's people. Come on, sitting on a bench doing absolutely nothing. I mean, you mean to tell me that he is more valuable to you than a doctor that's out there saving lives? I mean, firefighters don't get paid anything. Volunteer. Not everywhere, but at least in Pennsylvania, it is. That's a, a, again. A question for society. Who's worth more to you? What, what, what do we value? Let me ask you a question. How much have you seen football players, basketball players, how much have you seen them do since the pandemic started? Hmm. And you mean to tell me that they deserve to get paid more than a doctor because they're putting their body at risk? But with corona or any other infectious disease out there, they're putting their lives every day at risk when they go into work. Mm-hmm. Well, put this mask on. You know, there's a shortage of, but we're not going to give them to you because it takes time to process everything. Mm-hmm. What's more important to us? And maybe more people go into these helping professions if they paid anything. Education, social services, anything that falls under the umbrella of a helping profession, you're not making crap. Not to mention the loans that they have to take to get through medical school. Years of your life, years and years of your life. And sure, you say a doctor gets out, wonderful, they're making six figures. Take away the loans they owe. Take away the lost decade plus of their life. <laughs> Take away the $3,000 a month in student loans. And the lost years and years, the, the, the lost youth, basically, doing these crazy rotations, working you know, 80 hours a week or whatever it is, all hours of the day and night just to get out and make a fraction of what a, a, a crybaby professional athlete would make? I don't know where our priorities are. They're in the wrong place. And, but you can't blame kids for saying, mm-hmm. I want to be a professional football player when that's all we glorify on TV. That's what you see. You, you see the bling. You see the cars. You see the houses. 
And you can't blame people for, for wanting that and thinking they're, that's their, their birthright. And therefore, you know, feeling bad if they don't have that, feeling like a failure if they don't have that, because everybody else around them has that. We're bombarded with that nonstop in the media that if you don't have a uh, whatever car or whatever watch or whatever crazy mansion, that you are a failure. And there are legitimate psychological disorders associated with social media with depression, anxiety, that people are constantly checking their phone. If they don't have a text or a new like or a new comment on their social media, they're depressed. They feel like crap. There's such an association, this need for gratification and this need for constant reassurance of your of your, your value as a person. And that's all wrong. I mean, yeah, you complain about athletes and how much they make. And, you know, you complain about when you go to the doctors that they, that they charge you an absorbent amount of money for things that you need. But here's the deal. I mean, have you looked at ticket prices for the NFL? Have you looked at jersey costs? Jersey costs are ridiculous. Like 125 bucks for a jersey. Just so you can look like your favorite crybaby, rich, you know. Self-entitled brat. Self-entitled uh, giant baby. But we dress kids up like football players. Why don't we dress kids up like doctors? Dress them up like librarians. Dress them up like policemen. That's more realistic. That's going to help society much more than you being a professional football player. And it's much more likely. You set up kids for failure. Yes, reach for the stars. That's understandable. But the percentage of kids that's going to be a professional athlete, that's like winning a lottery. It's a million to one. I think what we see now, you know, and I, I doubt that it will take to society, but in, in some you know, alternate reality of my mind, I wish that it did, is you, right now you're seeing the importance of doctors. You're seeing the importance of nurses. And you are seeing how football, like, yes, it gives a sense of community to some, but as far as you know, life-sustaining. Football players mean absolutely nothing. They're starving for attention. All of organized sports could go away tomorrow. No one will die. We take away all the doctors, all the policemen, even cab drivers, plumbers, carpenters. Electricians. Electricians. Have you ever tried to do something by yourself? I mean, how many, yeah, how many times have you said, Christ's sake, I need a plumber. When you need a plumber, you need a plumber. I never said, boy, man, I need, a, I need an NFL quarterback right now. <laughs> Quick. Right, so, honey, give me, the, give, me, yeah, give me the phone book. So, somebody get me Ben Roethlisberger. Someone right now get me Ben Roethlisberger. My electricity just went out, damn it. I need him immediately. They're, they're literally good for nothing. Entertainment. My, ho- my house is on fire. Where is Antonio Brown? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's laughable. But if we're facing the issues that we're facing in this society, look at the national debt. Look at the virus situation. Look at the unemployment rate because of this crazy virus situation. We've got some big problems. Look at the economy. We've got some big problems. And if this was some great, wonderful utopia that we had money to spare and everybody had a home, no one was hungry or cold, life was perfect. Okay, great. Now we'll watch grown men go play a... a a game for fun. Okay, wonderful. But let's, uh, let's work on what we got first. Let's, let's not pay a single person from a single team 
tens of millions of dollars to do a useless uh, entertainment act. <laughs> Let, let's let's uh, let's give that money to people in need first. Yeah, to watch to watch someone on the field play for sixty minutes, of which they're only on for a portion. By the way, those guys sitting on the bench, that's three hundred thousand each one. They're not playing at all. They're just sitting there. It's in case one of them gets hurt. And they're not doing anything that you and I couldn't do. Sure, they can play football a little bit better than me. They can run a little faster than me. They're a little more talented in foot, the art of football than I am. But I can do it in my backyard. I tell you what I can't do. I can't do brain surgery in my backyard. Now, that's a skill. I, I do remember fondly. It, the night's a little bit blurry to me. But I do remember a time where you almost had to do brain surgery when we were at a Christmas party and you kicked me in the side of the face. Ah, this was many years ago. Mark and I used to work together. Now the plot thickens. But he was supposed to duck and he didn't. I didn't get the cue. Jack Daniels missed my cue to duck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, blame uh, blame it on the alcohol that day. I think that'll work. This takes up our allotted time for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Off the Hinges podcast. Again, a special thanks out to Steve Thompson for setting Brandon up. And if you'd like to follow us, uh, please check out our Twitter page. That is at Off the Hinges PC. That's for podcast people. At Off the Hinges PC on Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can check us out on Anchor. We should be soon uploaded to all of the podcast platforms. Uh, In the meantime, you can just enjoy us on Spotify and Anchor. So again, a special thanks to Steve. And that will be it for the Off the Hinges podcast this week. Uh, Please join us next week for another riveting discussion. I've had a lot of fun, Brandon. Thank you, sir. I'll uh, be back for next week. Appreciate it as always. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Love to hear your feedback. And hey, let us know your thoughts. And please, everybody, give us a follow on Twitter. You can communicate with us in the, in the post section, and we will do our best to answer questions or give our feedback. You know, again, everything is up for discussion. There, there's nothing off topic here, and it is okay to have different opinions, and it is okay to change your mind. But again, that's it for Off the Hinges. We'll see you next week.